Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. All righty, folks. Mr. Curiosity. Da, 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 da. You like that big intro, Samantha? Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's back. And now we have, I'm going to say, Joe Snedeker here, by the way. And we have maybe, I got to watch my words here, a national celebrity, a national celebrity in our midst, but a local girl. So I'm going to give you the introduction that I got from your website. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, go for you, it. You wrote your own uh, bio, right? I, I know, know, but I haven't updated it since like before <laughs> the pandemic. All right, folks, we have Samantha Ruddy here, who has performed on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, headlined Caroline's in Broadway, been heard on NPR, has appeared on videos for Comedy Central and Marvel. She has performed at comedy festivals like New York Comedy Festival, San Francisco Sketch Fest, and Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I mean, I'm getting uh, intimidated by this already. <laughs> and uh, her debut comedy album, Logging Out, was named one of the best comedy albums of 2020 by NPR. I can go on and on, but I'm not because I'm going to get bored. You're just too good. You're just too good. Uh, now, here's the deal. We have Samantha Ruddy. Oh, my God. No, please. It sounds like so much for how aggressively average I am. Here's our connection in the universe. I have to get this out to the people. All right. Your father, I don't even know if I know your mother, but your father has the same nickname as what you've called them since you were born. And that is Big Daddy. Big Daddy. <laughs> so I know you. For the record, I no longer call him Big Daddy. <laughs> I call him Dad because Daddy has taken on a very different connotation over the oh, past. Oh, you're right. Years. Okay, Sal, you got to watch. <laughs> so it's extremely funny to me to watch like 70 year old man, like men come up to my father and be like, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. <laughs> it's well, very funny. Well, I think your dad is probably six, seven years older than me. So when I was growing up, he was always the older guy in the neighborhood. And I knew some of those guys. But yeah. uh, to think about this, when you were born, how old are you, may I ask? I'm 30. So, I mean, oh, so I was... I was born in 92. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still in my 20s to near 30 when you were born, just to put in perspective. Now, did you grow up watching WNEP then or no? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm fangirling a little bit. What? What? Yeah, you were my weather guy. <laughs> I one weather guy. No I'm offense. One weather guy. Time. Well, could I ask a little bit about your beginnings? Because where did you uh, grow up? So I grew up in Mayfield. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you went to Lakeland or did you go to private school? No, I, I did. I went to Sacred Heart. Now, why so hoity-toity special better than a public school? Why oh, you, you think Sacred Heart is hoity-toity? <laughs> For us public school uh, scumbags, yeah, it's hoity-toity. Oh, my God. Sacred Heart was not hoity-toity. <laughs> yeah, but you have to admit it had a connotation of private school, you know, a little bit of that. I guess, but when I went from Sacred Heart down the line and, like, went to, like, O'Hara and met kids from, like, Green Ridge, I was oh. like, oh, I'm a hick. <laughs> <laughs> so it's different levels of, of hickdom. Yeah. Right? I mean, I guess the grass, you know, like, my hoity-toity is someone else's hick, so. Yeah. That's funny. So, so uh, your dad, 
is I don't even know what to call him. So you're, you're brought into this family where your dad is like this business tycoon. Is that okay? Yeah. Can we say he's a business tycoon? <laughs> you could say he's a business tycoon. Yeah, I mean, I think it accurately describes. He's, he's, a I, he's a very serious business dude. And I don't even know what he does. I don't even know what he does. But do you have any uh, siblings? I didn't understand what he. I don't understand what he does. Yeah, I still don't understand what he does. <laughs> but uh, he is Big Daddy. And do you have any siblings I need to know about or no? Yeah, I got three. I didn't see. I, we should know all these things about each other. What? So when you say you would watch WNEP and you knew you, you're, I'm sure your dad, because we know each other, said something like, "Oh yeah, he's my buddy, Snedeker W on WNEP when you were a kid, right or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. He was like, oh, Joey. Like, I know him from Simpson. Oh, see, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. That's my impression of my dad. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. So you're growing up uh, in Mayfield. You go to a private school, so to speak, a Catholic, Catholic. school. Catholic. It's uh, different. It's, you're right. It is different. It's, <laughs> do you know the seven commandments or how does that work? Not the commandments, the seven uh, uh, um, 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 sacraments given to me. I, I probably do, yeah. Uh, baptism, communion, confirmation. I'm like waiting for a nun to appear and yell yeah. at me. Uh, <laughs> baptism, confirmation, communion, uh, marriage, divorce. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, rights of the sick. You, uh, is this really it? I don't even know them. I don't know them. Oh, you don't know them? All right. Um, I, uh, could be lying uh recycling <laughs> no definitely not recycling okay well you said you didn't know so <laughs> but you were thrown in we were both thrown into this uh upper valley catholicism you know oh yeah. i used to go in the confessional uh once a week and simply say impure thoughts father and that would cover everything so i was pretty much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no actions huh <laughs> I feel like I used to go in with actions. No, just thoughts for me. I never uh, acted on them. Um, but, but then, so when you're at Sacred Heart, do you start thinking when you're in middle school, high school, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, I, I'm theatric. I'm, I'm, were you a funny girl? Were you the, you know, tell me about it. Um, I was like a little bit more quiet when I was younger, younger. Okay. Um, and then like around fourth, fifth grade, uh, I started to like gain weight and then I was like, okay, well I gotta have a thing. And I realized I was funny okay. and I was like, all right, I'm going to latch onto this. And, <laughs> uh, that was it for me. Um, I kind of became a class clown and I actually did stand up in eighth grade at the Sacred Heart Talent Show. Whoa. That's pretty. So yeah, I, I knew from like sixth grade, I think that I wanted to be a comedian of some sorts. So, so at home, like, like your dad's a funny guy. Do I, I don't know if your mom, funny. do I know her? My she? mom's so funny. They're your like a, funny. they're like a routine. Cause he's very dry <laughs> and yes, very yes. Like, sardonic. And my yes. mother is a big goofball. And they, they have like this straight man, loose cannon bit they do. <laughs> like where she'll like be absolutely chaotic. And then my father will just like have some cutting line and it's like, are you guys practicing this? <laughs> so like do a crap ball and then he has the best line, you know? <laughs> so, so when you then start to, uh, well, your siblings, by the way, how much older or younger are they? Oh, we are spread out. Uh, I got two older brothers. One is like 40, the other's 35. Wow. And I'm 30. And then 
this is the kicker. Uh, I have a 22-year-old brother who's a senior at St. Joe's. Whoa. Little Paul. Little Paul. And, and you know, are you picking on each other? Do you find this as a mechanism for what you've become, the fact that you have to thwart uh, maybe uh, 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 insults and infections from older brother, older, you know, that kind of thing? Is it like a family <laughs> dynamic, a battle going on? What's happening? I mean, we definitely fought, but, like, I don't know that, like, I felt humor was, like, a mechanism for them. Okay. I, that was more so just, like, pure sibling slapping, you know? Uh, but we, I, we actually didn't fight that much. I probably fought the most, honestly, with my little brother because he was, like, just young enough that I didn't know what to do with him, but I was still too young that I didn't have any like maternal instinct toward him. Gotcha. You know, like when I was like 11, 12 and he was four, three, like, I feel like we, we used to like fight all the time with each other, like just argue and which like, is, yeah, which is the way it normally is. That's how it has to be. Right. Yeah, I know. It's just funny though, because I was like 12 years old and my like arch nemesis was a four year old. <laughs> like he's in my room again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I guess I guess what I'm trying to paint a picture of your upbringing is is very non non dysfunctional. If anything, it's almost like a perfect childhood. I would guess, knowing your parents, knowing your life. I, I don't know. It seems to me like uh, I think, uh, and I don't want to like I don't want to go too deep on Mr. Curiosity. Locally. <laughs> Come on, I'm curious. I'm curious. Oh, by the way, I have the bell here. If I ask too many nosy questions, you just say, hit the bell, and then I shut up. I think I, I think I had a great childhood. Right. I do. Like, I think I had a very nice childhood. I think that there is a very specific trauma that comes from being a gay person in Catholic school. Oh, you're right. So I can definitely see that because Catholicism uh, is very rigid. It's very, very rigid. You, you probably grow up with, I grew up with shame, you know. Yeah, yeah, you grow up that, you know, like my parents are divorced, not, not from each other, but they were divorced previously and then they met. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm gay. And I was just like, oh, so we're like all going to hell, you know. <laughs> you're just sitting there 12 years old like, well, I didn't know I was gay yet. But I'm just sitting there like, whoa, 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 my parents are divorced, so they can't go to heaven? You know, it's just like uh, very traumatic thoughts to give a child. No, you're right. And if I can inject, too, on a similar note, because we're, we're one with this, uh, my mother used to get, like all women in the 70s and 80s, these catalogs in the mail. Um, now, I'm 12, 13 years old, and I see like a Fredericks of Hollywood catalog. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I've heard. Yeah, the that's Victoria's just like Secret of your. Yeah, it's like Victoria's Secret. It's like what, what a mom gets. I don't know. Yeah. And I remember seeing these things in this catalog and having these thoughts, and I'm going through puberty, and then I I go to you know my Catholicism classes once a week, and they'd be like, "Those are thoughts from the devil. You are a sinner." And I'm like, "Wow, what? Am, what? Not knowing it's all normal. You know, it's just." It's just biology yeah. acting out, and it, but I'm filled with guilt, you know? Yeah. And yours yeah. is similar but different. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just remember being like, because I, I was like a religious kid for, for a minute there. Like, I remember like- As I was, you latched on, you latch yeah, on. Yeah, I remember like sixth, seventh grade, I was like, oh, 
Like I, I got like I really felt like a, a rabbit hole of like get, getting super into Catholicism, and then I sort of like kind of realized that like drinking was fun and <laughs> doing bad things was fun, and like you know maybe. I don't have to follow all these rules Ooh, and then I, I love sort it. of gradually made my way out until I was like 18 and I was like, oh, okay, I'm gay. And then I kind of fully stopped going to church, but my mother still goes every Sunday and she would love if I came with her and she would hate this interview. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, it's a generational difference for sure. Isn't, yeah. uh, and I don't know this answer. I'm not playing dumb. Hasn't the uh, Catholic church hopped onto the whole uh, gay thing now or not really? No, um, my girlfriend's an Episcopal okay. and they are very gay friendly. They're um, like a, a relatively more liberal church. So I've, I've gone to a couple services there with her and I volunteered at a, a summer camp uh, with her that's in, in the Episcopal faith. But um, the Catholic church is still pretty rigid. It's like Pope Francis is great on like feeding the poor. Yeah, right. But on like social issues, they're still pretty rigid. I thought so too, but it'll come around because uh, free thinkers will eventually take charge. Trust me. Science rules, biology rules, truth rules, and that'll trump. I don't everything. know if we'll be here to see it, but I yeah, hope so. Who knows? But anyway, so once you get into uh, 17, 18, where do you decide to go to college? Uh, I went to Syracuse. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I, so I decided to go to Newhouse, uh, which is like their broadcast. I'm sure you know, it's their broadcast communication school. Um, everyone, everyone, their yeah, grandmother everyone knows Syracuse Broadcast School. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know what? I actually dropped out of the Newhouse program because I, I didn't want to get up at like 7 a.m. to go like film documentaries. I was like, okay, this actually doesn't sound very fun. Uh, How about waking up at 3 a.m. to do forecasts and the WNEP? Yeah, forecasts? not for me. <laughs> I work at nighttime, Joe. <laughs> it's not for me. Hey, I can't right. do it. So you ended up with what degree from Syracuse? Tech. Tech. Yeah, I wound up. That's I'm the only person in the world to drop out of film school to go to tech because it's easier. So, uh, so is it like IT coding? What what is it? All this? All of it. I got an information technology and management degree, and it was like a little bit of everything. Like I took advanced networking. Like I was like doing some hardware stuff. I was doing web design. I wound up focusing on uh, web development. So through um, those years, though, at college, are you doing stand-up comedy there? Are you, uh, are you the funny girl? I, yeah, I'm working in, I'm doing comedy there. Uh, I started doing improv, actually. You know Chris Barnes? Do he's I know a, Chris Barnes? He was on my, po he's on my podcast. you got to check them out. We talked an hour with Chris Barnes. I do, yeah. I love Chris. He, he taught me improv when I was, like, 14. Chris I, is a god. Chris is, Chris is a character. I love yes, him. Yes, I know. Uh, he taught me improv when I was like 14 years old. Uh, I did comedy dojo down in the basement of the cultural center with him. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. So I did that in high school. And then when I went to college, I joined a sketch group. And we used to film little sketches. And we had one go really viral called uh, Bayheimy and Rhapsody about Jim Bayheim. Okay. Uh, and then I started doing stand-up when I was like 20. So uh, I was about finished with college and I swear to God, I almost failed out because I got so invested. I like stopped going, going to like classes. I like just was like, I would drive like three hours to do an open mic in Buffalo. Cause there like wasn't much in Syracuse. There was only like two open mics. 
it seems, Samantha, because I listened to Bill Burr, one of my favorite uh, podcasters and comedians. Oh, yeah, he's hilarious. It seems like, because he has the same type of stories, it seems like you comedians, it's not even a choice for you. It's like you ha- you're pulled to this like a magnet, and it's not even conscious. It's, you, I got to do this. Nothing else matters. It's like a calling. As soon as I, like, found, as soon as I realized I was good at it, I was like, all right, uh, this is what I have to do. And I, I honestly probably not the smartest decision like I had a tech degree <laughs> and I was just like no <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try this one in a million thing and uh honestly I still don't know if it worked out but so far it's going all right well life is a work in progress you know that come on you gotta keep pushing you gotta You're follow- never finished. yeah you gotta follow your passion so so when does it start to kick into gear when you graduate college and you're looking for a job, how do you start getting on these national programs and being recognized? When does that start? So I, I, get, I get out of college. I get, I get a tech job. Okay. Um, I get a job making targeted ads for people. I'm so sorry. Uh, but in my defense, I was just making sure that, like, if you lived in Minneapolis, you didn't get a coupon for Texas, you know? Uh, that's what I was doing. And I did that for a few months, and then I quit. And then I, I cycled through jobs. Um, like I would just, I would be a nanny. I would quit. I would dog walk. I would quit. I would temp. I would quit. Um, so 21, 22, 23 years old. This is what you, all these things are going through. Yeah, that's exactly the age. Like 21, 22, 23. I'm like doing open mics in the city, starting to get put on the good shows, um, starting to meet people that like are better than me. Um, starting to like get to do the road a little bit like I got to go on a tour when I was 22 around the south um and that's what probably one of the that's one of the reasons I would quit jobs like I would do a job I would get an opportunity to do a tour or something and I would I would be like all right I'm out um and then uh you know and, and it also it helps that I had the safety net of my parents you know I knew that if I quit my dog walking job to go tour and things went south I wouldn't be homeless I, I was gonna say what a, yeah see I was gonna say what is big daddy saying through this whole process is he saying yeah that's good I want you to do this or is he kind of you know I'm a dad or you know we we want you to we want our kids to follow their passions but we want them to have I guess a solid backup plan it's tough yeah. what's big daddy saying <laughs> I think because I had the tech degree, they weren't that worried because they okay. knew I would always kind of have something to fall back on. Right. I mean, as much as they were excited about having me in Newhouse at Syracuse, I think they were a little relieved when I wound up getting the tech degree. Um, and you know what? Like, they, they were very supportive, but also, like, I think uh, appropriately apprehensive for a little bit. And then around 24, I got signed by a management company um yeah 24 i got like an agent like an agent type thing yeah yeah um i got i got seen at a show and they signed me and then that's when things kind of really accelerated for me um like i started doing uh like all the best shows in the city i started like meeting comedians that i idolized i started like uh getting put in auditions for stuff and like nothing nothing major major happened but i think my I, I started, I had like Caroline's like not soon after um, or not too soon after. And like, I think that's when my parents were like, oh, okay. So this is viable. So and does, then, and um, 
so the whole time though, when you're doing this, is there a, a deep confidence? Like you believe in yourself to the point, like, or do you have to, you have to pump yourself up and say, I can do this. Like you're meeting these people, you're going to these big gigs. Is it intimidating? Yeah. You have to be delusional. who said this i think it was jimmy fallon but like you have to be delusional because like you have to just believe that you belong there like so often at that stage of my life like 23 24 25 i was the worst comic on the best shows okay that's the level i was at where i was like getting the best shows in the city but like everyone else had tv credits and i was nobody um, so and at then, times, are you bombing and embarrassed or there's not much? No, there's not much. No, I don't, I don't really, I, I knock on wood. I don't really, uh, I don't bomb that often because when I'm doing shows like that, I only do material that I know works. Like okay. I don't mess around. Like, especially when you're the worst comic and all the comics are like, they have comedy central half hours and they've been like on a sitcom, like. You, you want to murder, so you do your, like, absolute best material. Yeah, but still semantic, because I do TV for, for 30 years almost. There's still butterflies and that hot feeling you get before you have to perform. Oh, yeah. That, that had to overwhelm, and sometimes when that hits, then it takes away your confidence without your approval. Yeah, I don't get that for live audiences. Oh, you don't get that. Wow. No, I get that for TV. You get that for TV. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's when I, when it's a live audience, I'm like very confident and like able to connect almost immediately. And as soon as there's a camera there, even if there's a live audience, that's when I get butterflies. That's when I get nervous. I'm, I find that hard to believe because people, when you see them, it's their physical presence of all this massive uh, humanoids that would take away from confidence. But when it's a camera, it's just a piece of inanimate, you know, equipment. I would think it's the opposite, but hey, whatever works. Yeah, the camera's unseen people. Like in my head, these are people, I see them. But a camera, that's like, I don't even know who's watching this. Unseen, unseen. Yeah, that's what gets me going. (laughs) So when does it it start getting uh, your first like national show? Give us some gossip. For our listeners, we wanna know what it's like when you go to a big Colbert show or like you were a couple of weeks ago on Jimmy Fallon, like what's the setup? Is it, is it very ritualistic and standard issue and cold and sterile or, you know, next, all right, yeah, have a good day next. Like how does it all work? So um, my two late night experiences were very <coughs> different from each other. Um, I did Colbert when I was like 26, I think I was a baby. Okay. Uh, I was, it was 2018. I taped it. Um, and I watched it. I watched it. I watched it on YouTube. I watch all your stuff. Thank you. Yeah, I, ta- I taped it. And um, it was like, it's, it's always like gone in a flash. Like it's this big thing that takes months to do. Like, so you send a set in, you get notes from the booker, you go back and forth. They're like, you can't say gun on TV. I'm like, I want to say gun on TV. They're like, well, you can't. And like, you know, you go back and forth. And then um, finally your set gets approved. And so you have to have an entire set approved. Whenever we see a comedian, oh, yeah. a national, they, oh my God. Yeah, of course. Right. See, well, this, these are things that us ignorant masses don't know. I don't no, know. No, no, no. I'm just saying, cause like someone told me, someone said this to me the other day. They're like, think of it this way. Like you have NBC or you have CBS for five minutes, like right. nationally. So it's like, you're not going to be allowed to like, 
just go up there and riff, you know? Yeah. Like they, they want everything written down. You have to do a transcript. Every time I've done late night, I've had to send a transcript. And do they ever try to alter it or no? Like besides oh, yeah. you can't say that, like, hey, that joke's not going to work. Try another one that, that kind of changed this yep. word. Oh, yeah? <clears throat> yeah, every time. Every time? Every time. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I know very few people, unless they're very famous, who don't get notes. At least wow. like a compass or, yeah. Wow. Um, I never would have guessed that. But when you show up to say Colbert, is it like a door you knock on? You get out of your Uber? Like, how does that work? So they send a car. They send and, a car. Uh, yeah, they send a car and you get there and you get out and there's immediately like a bunch of pages. Like, have you ever seen 30 Rock? Yes. Like Kenneth? Gotcha. Okay. There's like four Kenneths who like grab you and usher you into the building. Um, And then they give you anything you want, Joe. Really? Anything. It's like having a genie. Get out. Give me 10 Twinkies. They're going to run. Yeah. You're like, I want M&Ms. They're like, okay. You're like, I want whiskey, which I did. They'll get you it. Get out. Uh, Yeah. They were like, we think we have some in the basement. And like one of the Kenneths just ran down and grabbed whiskey. And I (laughs) I say Kenneth, not to be disrespectful. I got you. I got you. You are the backbone of society. (laughs) But um, they went and they grabbed uh, like anything you need, you know, like, oh, your your shirt's a little bit wrinkled. Let's steam it. You know, you do hair and makeup. Uh, It's like. Oh, they do hair and makeup. Oh, yeah, yeah. What if oh you want, God. what if, what, what if your bit is to look disheveled and what if your bit is to have a, <laughs> a, a, a crooked t-shirt on or something and th- th- uh, will they say that's not going to work? No, I'm sure, I, I'm sure that you, they would like be like, all right, your call. Like they asked me everything. They don't okay. force you to do anything, but like I wanted hair and makeup. Like I wanted my shirt pressed, you know, gotcha. I, didn't oh, want my, I didn't want my mom to be like, wow, you look like a slob on Colbert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, you're supposed to wear what you're comfortable in, which I've almost never done. Uh, I, although this last time I, I felt more comfortable. Um, but uh, yeah, like they'll, they'll get anything for you. They're so nice to you. They give you like a big gift basket. Um, Colbert tapes very differently than Fallon. They're very different experiences. Um, so I'm about to really ruin some TV magic. Uh-oh, this is it. See, folks, Mr. Curiosity is getting deep. Here we go. Colbert's not present when you do stand-up. What do you mean? He introduces the comedian. You come out. Yeah, it's TV magic. Well, Uh, I don't understand. So when he he introduces you, what happens? That's taped? You're not actually there. Um, It's pre-taped. What? Your piece was taped. So what they do for Colbert is they have a big stand-up show in the Ed Sullivan Theater. And they're very clear on the tickets that Steven will not be there. And they get like six comedians. You go, you do the best show you've ever done in the Ed Sullivan Theater, and they tape all the sets, and then they slice them up. And when they have a week where they don't have enough material to fill it, they put a stand-up in. And then they have Steven tape their intro, and it cuts over as if he's there. Well, see, Samantha, we appreciate your honesty here. We're cutting through the right through the truth and we're knocking down walls yeah that's that's what it's like and honestly it's it's in some ways it's less nerve-wracking i was gonna say yeah because it's just doing a cool show and you're still in front of an audience correct yeah oh yeah an audience that's like thrilled to be there right but it's Uh, the colbert audience no yeah it is the colbert audience the live colbert audience 
it's it's a lot it's it's like a so they are there because they got tickets on the colbert website but it's called the colbert comedy hour and it's very clear on the tickets that he will not be present it's like comedians they've curated that you'll like no but so if i got tickets to colbert or is it something different than the live colbert show versus the comedic part that's what I'm still confused yeah, about. Yeah, so, so it's like different. So if you want to go see things. Colbert and the guests and stuff, that's a different ticket. And then this is the Colbert Comedy Hour. And oh. it's like they'll tape it on a Friday when he's like not there. Not there. Oh, so you didn't um, meet him. No. I, and some comedians do. Like every now and then they'll have a comedian and they'll do it the traditional way, like during the show when he's there. But over the past few years, they've done the Comedy Hour splice it up thing. Interesting. And what about Jimmy Fallon a couple of weeks ago? What was that all about? That was very traditional. Okay. So um, let's hear that. that the car was, picks you up. Car picks me up. Kenneth's take me into 30 Rock. Same procedure. And then what? Uh, very, very sweet guys. They're, they're all very nice. And then I, um, you know, I got my little whiskey. I brought some friends with me. <laughs> they, they gave me a bunch of gifts and stuff. Uh, I got to meet the kid from Stranger Things, Gayton. He was so nice. Okay. Um, I got to look at Elizabeth Olsen. I did not meet her. <laughs> uh, and then, um, you know, he, he, I was actually getting changed and he knocked on my dressing room door and I, I thought it was like my buddy who was like there with me. He like went right. to get a water. And then I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's Jimmy. So Jimmy, um, did, did, does he do this purposefully to all of his guests or he just yeah. happened to knock? Yeah, he, he opens, does. He opens the door and there you are. Hey, I'm Jimmy. And like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He was like, hey, like, you know, thank you so much for doing the show. Wanted to chat with me a little bit. Um, just like, which honestly was so nice and really helped with nerves. Get out. Um, so you and Jimmy just hanging out chatting. Yeah. So he just comes back to your dressing room and he chats it up with you. And then he's like, you know, like, all right, we're going to go start the show soon. So like, I'll see you out there. And just and like then, he, well, just like he is in in TV, uh, per like he kind of a hyper and friendly guy. Yeah, yeah, just like a real golden retriever of a guy, real nice. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, just like a, a big sweetheart. Um, and then you know you go out, you do your set, you're like dying, and then um, you go over to the couch, you get to sign off with everyone, and then it's over. Wow. But, and then uh, they, we did get to chat a bit and he was, he was very nice. I told him about, uh, I was a big SNL fan when I was a kid. And I, I mean, I guess I still am. Sure. Um, but I was like obsessed when I was a child and I used to watch the best of Jimmy Fallon, like all the time that DVD. And, uh, so I talked to him about that for a little while and that was fun. He probably appreciated it. I don't know if he hears that all the time. I wonder. He did actually. He, cause he told me that he actually got to pick those sketches himself, which I did not know. Get out. So all this information, I, this is cool. This is cool. Yeah. Now, one thing, and I know you're not going to badmouth Jimmy Fallon. So here's the bell ready to go. Now, and maybe I'm talking like the old guy now, but do you like the way comedy is going? You know, just 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, your Letterman's, your Carson, your Jay Leno, they had edge. They would be slightly abrasive to people. They would knock people down. That was a part of what comedy was and is. And now the Jimmy Fallons and maybe even a little Jimmy Kimmel, it's more like cutesy, let me dance with you, he, he, he. You know what I mean? Is it becoming less edgy and more cutesy what Fallon is doing versus like a, a Letterman, you know, which had a sarcastic edge? What do you think about all that? Um, or don't you know what I mean? I, you know, no, you know, I, know, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I think that there's like, 
I, I think that everything has gotten more specific and more niche. And if you want your sardonic, like Bill Burr, if you want yeah. like that, you can seek it out. You can seek you know, it out, the, right. The thing is like, as much of an institution as the Tonight Show and the Late Show are, there's more options than ever to listen to whatever you want. Like you could listen to the darkest thing imaginable that, that like wouldn't have been allowed on TV back in the day, if you want to, you know, like you could find anything. And I think there is a lot of biting stuff. Like I work at Full Frontal with Samantha B, and I would definitely describe her comedy as biting. Um, yeah, I, oh, I know you can find it and I know exactly what you're saying, but like you never see Letterman or Carson doing a dance with a guest or something. You, you know what I mean? Like it's not no. like above it, but there was this something there. It's a different kind of, um, it's, a, it's a different era, yeah, uh, of like, it's very rare that you'll see someone who has an adversarial relationship with the guests in the same way that like they might have sometimes. But you can find it. Um, like, there's more late night shows than ever now. Sure. It's that they're not all on network. Um, and like, you can, there's something for everyone, but I will say that like, the more mainstream ones are like definitely a little bit more like pop culture Hollywood. Like yes, that's than, than they have been in the past. But you know yep. that's just evolution, I guess. I think that's the way it's going. I think you are correct. All right, now I have to ask you about this because this I'm, I have to I have to delicately touch this subject without getting in trouble, and maybe you're oh, going to yeah. answer it for me. <laughs> All right, you've heard this before. Here we go. <sighs> Women aren't funny. Oh, God. So, what? You don't want me to go there? Hit that bell. <laughs> I'm uh, just like, well, I'm just think so, about like. What do, you, what do you think about that? I mean, I just think it's like. Do you know at least what the context of that is? It means a guy got, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll set it from my perspective. My buddies and I all pick on each other, joke around. Oh, hey, pimple face, big nose. Uh, we're sarcastic. We pick on each other. When women are out, they don't do that. You have to admit, most women. This is, we're dealing with stereotypes. So it seems like the male, for whatever cultural reasons, we pick on each other. You make fun of each other. And the ladies, not so much, at least in front of each other. And that maybe leads to this, 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 this belief that women, of course, there are funny women out there like you and others. I have a list here. You have your, your oh. Ellen DeGeneres, your Kate McCannon, <laughs> you have so your Amy Schumer. I can't Let's do go this. to Joan Rivers. Let's go to Silver Silverman. Oh, come on, I'm just saying women are funny, but it seems like, Help me, help me here. Go, you know, go, get mad at me fire back at me, get mad at me, whatever you want to do, give it to me. Here we go. Okay. I, I, I think that it's like, you could tell me I'm an idiot and I'm wrong and that's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you're an idiot. I do think you're wrong. Okay. Uh, I just think that like, we are conditioned as a society. I mean, that could very well be it. It could be, we all, conditioned it could as all a society be brainwashing. To men is to view things that men like as good and things that women like as lesser. Um, it's just, it's just how it is. Like, I, I think that when something appeals to women, like if a female comic mostly appeals to women and does not appeal to men, societally will be like, she's not funny. But if 
a male comic only appeals to men and doesn't appeal to women, society will be like, he's funny. Um, we cater to a gender. We are not an equal country, as you can see from Roe versus Wade and everything. And just hey, I'm, with, uh, I'm with you all the way so far. I'm with you all the way. I got you. And, you know, I just think that like, the idea that women aren't funny just comes from a, an inherent like view that women are supposed to be doing things specifically catered toward men. Ooh, I hope and, I didn't imply that. I I'm not implying that. No, but I, I think that that's where that line of thought comes from of like women aren't funny because like women aren't supposed to be funny. Women are supposed to be like homemakers. Um, who are like gentle and sweet and nurturing um, and going out every night into dark basements and drinking whiskey and telling <laughs> jokes does not fit into that. So as a society, we have created this like lie that women aren't funny to keep women in the home. Oh, that's an interesting approach. Like but it's, it's because humor is not like a cherished trait in women. It is not like something very good. that- Very good, very good, very true. We don't nurture it in women, like- but, but Samantha, let's cater at least to science a little bit in some, some biological innate trends, whether they're cultural over thousands of years or societal over decades, most aggressive acts of humans murders, uh, uh, harm upon each other, wars, who are they all created by? Men. Are we going to say that men are naturally more aggressive because of testosterone, because of men are more, uh, 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 aggressive, more, uh, more, more, uh, violent. You're not going to argue with that, are you? And as a man, I'm not offended by that. I'm saying, yes, there's some biology there. Would you say that is true? Most murders, most aggressive acts, most crimes are men, men, men. So what's well, wrong Jeff, with- I'm here to break the glass ceiling. Okay, what do you mean? Uh, I implied I'm going to be a murderer. Um- <laughs> <laughs> well, but you see what I'm saying? So if, we're, if I'm okay with that, what's wrong with saying the opposite that a lot of female characteristics tend to lean more towards nurturing and caring and that's not a bad thing well i think because one is true statistically right uh that you know no offense boys big fan of the boys uh are responsible for most violent crimes right uh but the other offended by that i'm not offended by that i know but the other is not you can't the other's not statistically provable the other is a matter of opinion of like i don't find women as funny or like, I oh, don't know. No, I'm not trying to connect those two. No, I'm just saying there are, I, I think, no, no. I hope you don't think I'm trying to No. First of all, I'm not even saying women aren't funny. I'm saying that's, that's out there in the world. So I thought it's, no, it is. it's undeniably out there. And I, and I'm not saying that these things are attributed to you. I'm not saying that you said these things. I'm saying right. you I'm brought just, a line of thought. Right. Because you are a woman comedian. I just thought we'd address that. That's all. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. I think that are women typically more nurturing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that women are, but I don't think that 
it has a bearing on if someone is like a certain personality type. No, but I just think maybe in some weird, bizarre cultural way, whether it's stereotypically uh, inflicted upon us since we were born in this culture, but when, when men pick on each other and make fun of each other, it's coming from a place where there's a lack of nurturing skills and we don't know any better. Whereas women have a little bit more nurturing and caring skills. I've seen that when my parents were ill and uh, my dad had it passed away. My sister amazed me with what she was doing and I felt like a goof. I didn't know what to do. Well, he rose to the occasion. Say, you know, what I, I would say that like there is a societal expectation. When I say that women are more nurturing, I'm not saying that we are biologically or innately necessarily more nurturing. I'm saying that society rewards us for being nurturing and punishes us for not being nurturing. So we are conditioned to be that way. Could be, but remember up until just a few thousand years ago for tens of thousands of years that because women bear children, they're, they're, taking care of children for tens of thousands of years while the guys are out uh, committing uh, warfare on each other and trying to feed the family. Yeah, that's, an, that's biology there too. Sure. But I also think that is so it, it had to be all biology way. or some of it societal reinforcement, you know, I'd like de definitely a hel uh, unhealthy mix of both. <laughs> <laughs> like I have a brother who is way more nurturing and maternal than me. And personally I would drop a baby. <laughs> well, well, no, we're dealing in, in, in averages and stereotypes. You can find exceptions sure. to everything. So I'm not saying that. No, I know. I'm just saying that like, that is something that growing up, I was always, I always felt like when I dressed more feminine or I was like, I like babysat or like did like traditionally feminine things, I was rewarded. Like I was praised. I was like, oh, you're yes, going to be- Yes, you're right. Yeah. So, and then that becomes- And when I like wrote a quad and like, you know, did like, people were like, all right, but you're going to grow up. So, you know, like we are like, does biology play a point in it? I don't know, man. I'm not a scientist, but I, I know am. that there are- I am. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> yeah, but you're a meteorologist. Actually, my, uh, my, my, my- Bachelor's degree is uh, meteorology, geoscience, but my master's degree is uh, biology and environmental science. So I have a lot of oh, biological it? background. But no, uh, the bottom no, line. I was gonna ask you if it was raining. Uh, <laughs> the bottom line is uh, both of us are saying is yes, women are funny. Yes, women are funny. There you and go. Also, oh man, we got so deep into this. I know. Well, that's good. That's what comes out in Mister Curiosity. No, I love it. So um, where do we go from here? What's your next step? Um, you've done shows. You've been, let me see what, what, what this means. Brooklyn Magazine called Samantha one of Brooklyn's 50 funniest people. That's true. You should be obsessed with her, says Vulture. Uh, feature on Follow Friday. I mean, you got all these accolades. Where are we going next? Um, I don't I know. Hope you be, I hope you become globally famous so this podcast really picks up. <laughs> no interest in being famous joe oh yeah oh i love that i love that i really don't um i i want to make a great show i don't necessarily even want to be in it i just that's what i really want to do is i want to make a sitcom oh so a character in a sitcom like a, like you are the character you're the, you're you want to devise this right no. 
No. I, I don't necessarily want to even be in it. I want to be Larry David with Ooh. Seinfeld. Like, I just, I want to create a great show. So now you brought up a name that we can talk about quickly before, because I think I'm running uh, out of time for you. Larry David. So do you love his work? Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's awesome, right? Yeah, he's great. He's great. He's great. And, and that's twisted and deep and, and, and comes from a place, I think, it took a lot of boldness and nerve for him even to do that because he addresses things that I think all people feel, but no one ever would admit to it. Do you agree? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's some of my favorite kind of comedy is like stuff that sort of rides the line. Like it's always sunny and like, right. Or like I, I love taking like awkward situations and ramping it up. I love the office, the U S office. Don't care for the UK one. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that too. So Larry David, yeah, he is hilarious. I could see, so I could see that in your future then writing. Um, and maybe you're saying not even being in your own work. Yeah. Like I would, I would be into like being in it, but that's not like the goal is I want to create and uh, I want to create a show. I've written a bunch. I have several pilots. I have a cartoon that I've written one of, one of these days it'll hit. We'll see. Do you have big people in big places? Or you don't want to say that? Like, you know what I mean? Like it, someone's, someone's telling you, okay, I gave this to so-and-so and it's going to hit Samantha any day now. Like, Nothing's going to hit yet. But I am, um, I am giving it to, like I have a manager who will like send things out. You promise to remember us little people here in Northeastern Central Pennsylvania when you become <laughs> dead, right? You're going to do hey, I'm actually, I'm actually coming back. I'm going to do a show there. Uh, I, don't have a, I don't have a confirmed date yet, but just uh, follow me on social media at Samly Matters, S-A-M-L-Y-M-A-T-T-E-R-S. And uh, if you don't hate me for being a feminist, uh, come out to... Uh, the show I'm going to do on in October uh, in Scranton. I don't, I can't release details yet because we're still confirming. And I want to give people wrong info, but okay. uh, I'll, be, I'll be around. So you can be found on uh, Facebook, Inst everywhere, Instagram. Are you doing yeah, TikTok? Yeah, all over the place. Just search her name, Samantha Ruddy, and you'll find all of her greatness. And you threw that feminist at uh, us at the end here. Who, who's going to be offended by that? Why, why did you, why did you say that? Some people. Oh, I just think because we argue, not argue, but we like, you know, we went back and forth about biology for like 15 minutes. And I, good, I feel, like, I feel no. like it could have been off-putting for some. I hope not. I thought we were just speaking the truth and expressing uh, some viewpoints. I thought it was good stuff. Oh, you I, didn't, I didn't mind it. I'm just saying, you know, uh, if you didn't like that conversation, you might not like the show. No, come on. We're free thinkers, all of, all of our listeners here. So, yeah. Um, and you're talking to a guy who um, I, I hate. I hate stereotypes. I hate conditions that need to be met like uh, I have a rule at my house where um, I like to clean all the toilets and do all the vacuuming and cleaning uh, and my wife hates all that stuff so I don't believe in roles roles are ridiculous Seems I don't like, me like and your wife get along I don't like paradigms or dogma you got to do your own thing in this world right all right Mr. Curiosity just shattering dogmas yeah come on free thinkers unite well, thanks for everything, uh, Samantha. This was great, and we can find you all over the place in the future and maybe back here in Northeastern PA. We'll be looking out for you. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity.